friends. We're back with a special episode of the Go and Tell Gals podcast. Since we recently relaunched the podcast with a new co-host and a new producer, we wanted to record an Ask Us Anything episode to let you get to know our team a bit more. Listen in. Hey friends, listen, we're here just like taking a deep breath, stretching it out. We relaunched the podcast a few weeks ago and now we're just going to like kind of shake it out and have a little fun. We're going to answer some questions that you guys have asked that we're loving and thrilled to get to answer. And we really want to take a moment and formally introduce Brenna, our podcast producer. So we're going to put you in the hot seat first, Brenna. Will you tell us about you? Tell us about your life. Like what's life like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Brenna and I live in upstate South Carolina. I work full-time at a college in student activities. So I like to brag that I have the most fun job ever. And that keeps me busy, keeps me fun, keeps me young, even though I'm only 27. (laughs) And then I also work part-time with Go and Tell Gals as the podcast producer, which is a new gig for me. I'm really excited about it. I joined in January doing this role, and I've had a lot of fun learning how to do the podcast. I've learned a lot, for sure, and have met a ton of cool people already. Okay, one reason why we had to have you do the podcast is because you actually love podcasts. So that feels important. Like you have to know how it works, what makes a good podcast. Yeah. So what are your favorite podcasts to listen to besides Go and Tell Girls podcast? Um, I love, that sounds fun with Annie F. Downs. I love Annie and Eddie Keep Talking. I love The Daily. It's a kind of wild card one. I don't love the news very much, but The Daily helps make it digestible to me. And I love Jamie Ivey's podcast. I listen to a lot of audiobooks also. So anything audio is my zone. I love it. My favorite podcast is Go and Tell Gals. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's worth mentioning that all three of us typically listen to the episode, like even the ones we're all three on. Uh-huh. We, oh, still, yeah. sure, we still listen sure. to them before they come out or after they come out. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think my record is four. Like I've listened to one episode four times, but like when I'm in the conversation and then when I send it to the editor and then when I get it back and then on the day it goes out, I love to listen to it. So good. You got any like dreams or plans for the rest of 2021? Like anything, anything wild you're trying to do? I would love to travel. Really? That's all that comes to mind. I'm trying to go on a trip. That's a dream. I always laugh. It sounds so cliche when people say like, I love to travel, but I really do love to travel so much. And so I would love to go somewhere this summer. What about y'all? Oh, dreams or plans, man. Now it's my hot seat, huh? Or our hot seat. Tell them, tell them. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Um. <laughs> I have big dreams. I have big dreams for um, my family, honestly. Like, that's probably a priority over anything else. And big dreams for my own life and for, I think, where I would like to see ministry in my life go. I think my biggest dream right now is maybe not as tangible as it could be, but I am excited about seeing how. The little things that I think are big, how God expands those and turns them into something way bigger than I thought they could be. So my dream, I guess, is to see God be God in my life and be bigger in my life than he ever has been or than I've ever allowed him to be. I should say it that way. So good. That's awesome. 
I just started dreaming about a book tour today, like in the last like 48 hours. Wow. I mean, I think when I knew this book was coming out in 2021, I was like, well, forget it. We, I mean, we won't, we won't do a book tour. But I think the way the world is moving, it could be possible. It could be safe. It could be something to do. And so mm. really in the last 48 hours, I've been like, oh, could we maybe do this thing? Can we maybe get out on the road? Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. That's, That's amazing. so cool that you like didn't have that and you thought it was impossible. And then again, it's just that moment where you're like, wait, actually. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's dive into some of these listener questions. What do you got for us, Brenna? Let's start with an easy logistical one. What is the total time that goes into each episode, start to finish? So recording the podcast, what is that process? Well, I was going to say, I feel like it's a good Brenna I know. You really <laughs> hold the most of that. Yeah, I'll jump in. So we record on Mondays and Thursdays, and we record for about 35, 40 minutes. And then before that, I'm sending sample questions to the guests, getting them the link to the recording, seeing if there's anything they need from our team beforehand. Then we record. And then on the back end, I'm listening to the episode, pulling out quotes, sending it to editors, and making sure that it gets launched right. And so I think if I had to pick a total time for each episode, it's probably an hour and a half. Do you consider, you know, like, like there's a team, Jess, right behind this. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the production end. It's like the graphics that go along with the podcast from the quotes that you pull. And like, it's a lot of time, more time than I think we all think about and a lot of hands that touch it too. Sure. When you think mm-hmm. about how many people are helping our guests get on the show and yep. helping them work it into their schedules and helping them post about it. It's a lot. It's a lot of hands that end up touching every single episode as well. Hey, this is like a For random, sure. This sure. nobody asked this, but I'll tell you. <laughs> Actually, because Kanisha, I don't know if you know this. Brenna, I think you know this. Have you guys heard, I've heard one thing that people like about the reboot of the podcast is the roll-in music. Oh, I haven't heard that. I mean, I've heard the music, but I haven't heard that people love that. I've heard from one or two people that are like, I like that rolling music. That's great. Brenna, do you know this? Do you know who made it? Nick made it. I oh, think Nick so made it. Yes. That. He made that little tune on like an app. Adorable husband. Yeah, Nick's my husband. Loving husband. Pastor, yeah. <laughs> entrepreneur, not really like a music guy, but he found this app that he could make like different sounds on. Yeah, that's awesome. His hands have touched this too. Little vibey. I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're going to jump in deep right off the bat. Let's see. How do you continue to lead others while going through a valley yourself? Number one, I think we have to redefine what like power looks like in our culture, right? Because it's just not always like power doesn't come from tidy moments. Second Corinthians 12, nine says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so your weakest seasons are really probably an incredible canvas for God's grace and mercy and kindness and presence and power to come out in your life. That being said, I also think we need to normalize people saying like, Hey, I'm in over my head and I need a minute. For sure. I was literally going to say the same. I was like, this is your short answer. I want to hear the long answer because that was pretty good. (laughs) But I was just going to say, I think sometimes it's okay. This is cliche, but to not be okay. And I think traditionally, obviously, we know like in the church, 
there's been this pattern of having to put on a face and having to quote unquote faith it until you make it and and all these things mm-hmm. that are actually just toxic thinking and behavior and it ends up hurting we end up hurting ourselves and also hurting other people versus helping them, which is what we always want to do is we want to help. But then I think we have to recognize like it's not on us. It becomes so detrimental to the health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health of others when we make this decision that we're just going to put on some you know, mask and tell people that everything is OK when it's really not. When the strength power that you're speaking of is really in saying, hey, hands up, guess what? I am struggling. I am not well. I actually need to pull back because the other side of that is that we end up becoming little gods. People begin to look at us for the comfort, the strength, the power that they should be looking to Jesus for. And when we say, hey, I actually am weak. I don't want you to look at me. I actually want you to look at Jesus. It actually, I think, makes or forces people to look at Jesus versus looking at us. Absolutely. Something, Jess, I've heard you say before is like how to fight imposter syndrome is to like stop being an imposter, stop acting like you have <laughs> so it all good. together. Yeah. Like just be honest about where you're at. And that has been really helpful to me. I love that. Yeah. If you never act like you're the hero, if you never act like you're mm. the expert, then you don't ever feel like an imposter. So true. Yeah. Okay. What if you want to be a gal on mission, but life seems too ordinary right now from this person there in grad school? Okay. Well, What's ordinary? I'm sorry. Yeah. What's ordinary? What's ordinary? Maybe you need to number one, crash and crush the idea that like everybody else or somebody else out there is living like a really like worldly, vibrant life. Because number one, everybody online is lying. Let me say it again. <laughs> everybody online is lying. Yeah, they are. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I just think mission happens in the ordinary. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's using what we've got in the season we're in for the good of others and the glory of God. That's what it is. So I think, number one, this is just such a tool of the enemy mm-hmm. to convince us that mission is like going and doing and spicy or this or that. I've obviously talked about this even multiple times since we've rebooted the podcast, that the wild pieces of mission our life on in our lives are not the like stage moments, right? It's not like when the camera's on and the mic, it's like tucked in my eight-year-old's bed when he's telling yes. me what he's scared of. Yes. And it's talking to my friend on the first day of her job. It's like passing someone who's experiencing homelessness on the street and deciding mm-hmm. like, do I want to pretend like I don't see them or do I want to treat them as human and do what Jesus would do? It's all of those things. And so I think, number one, just tell the enemy, like, go back to hell when he tells you that your life is ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I don't have anything else to add to that because that is great. Beautiful. We had a few questions about resting, waiting, waiting on what's coming next. What do you do in your times of rest and waiting for what's ahead? And how does it help you fuel for your mission? I don't know if I have a direct response, but I think... The first thing I would like to acknowledge is that I would like to say, can we just normalize, speaking of normalizing things, like, can we just normalize that, like, we don't have it all together and that we don't know how to do this? I don't think that culturally we do this well. I think it's why the question pops up so much. I think that these are all my thoughts and opinions, so I could be wrong about all of this or any of it. But this year, you know, we were kind of forced into some of that resting and waiting Something that I've been thinking about, you know, Isaiah, just, you know, those that wait on the Lord 
mount up, but we'll mount up as, with wings as eagles if I can get that out. But I just have been thinking about just that word weight and what it actually means. And like when that scripture says, you know, we will mount up with wings as eagles, there's something very significant and powerful about, we think about waiting. And for me as an eight, that feels very weak or it could feel very weak. It feels like we're not doing anything, quote unquote, right? But there is so much significance in that word wait with it being synonymous to rest, with it being synonymous to our resting is actually doing something. Our re- there is power in our west resting and it is connected directly to the Holy Spirit and to his power. So I think that just I'm excited about what Jess is going to say because I feel like she's going to come out with like something like really great. But I think for me, I'm sitting in that and really asking God to help me really see the significance in it as, again, a person who really struggles with that. And I think that culturally we could do a little bit of a better job of amplifying that and really placing value in rest. Jess, what do you have to say? Cosign. Retweet on all of that. I couldn't agree more. So, and again, this to me goes back to the ordinary, like mundane. And no one asked about mundane, but that's what I hear a lot. And I do feel like I hear this from women a lot. What do you do when you're in a waiting season? So I have like some hokey questions back at that question. Like number one, did God say it's a waiting season? Mm -hmm. Number two, like, are we believing in this kind of cultural standard that there's like a time where you spend time behind the scenes. And then there's a time where you do things for other people to see, because like really from my perspective, life is a tumble of both. It's like, it's really important that you handle your private life, like well behind the scenes at all times. And it's important that you consider how you're serving people above the surface at all times. Like, Both of these things matter, right? Like what we do that other people see and what we do that no one sees. Yeah. So that's like a more nebulous-y like question. It's interesting, like turning this question around, another way I've heard it asked Mm. is how do I experience patience and contentment in waiting seasons? How do I experience patience and contentment before you know, God brings me to whatever mission he has for me. And so similarly, I would say like patience and contentment must stay with us in Mm. every season. We need wild patience. We need to wait on the Lord daily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like every day. We got to wait on the Lord. You know, my spirit waits on the Lord. My soul waits on the Lord. Like I watch for him, like a watchman waits for the morning. I wait on the Lord. I ask him like, what do you want me to have for breakfast? What do you want me to say on this podcast? Where do you want me to go next? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you have for me? And so that being said, I see some biblical seasons of preparation, really like three, like David, Jesus, and Paul slash Saul. Like, I'm sure there are more, but I see those three like off the top of my head. But like David was still leading like 6,000 men while he wasn't king of Israel. Right. He was still leading. He was still fighting. He was still showing up. He wrote most of the Psalms. Like he wasn't like sitting on his hands like one day. He was like, what can I do with what I've got right here? How can I obey God? How can I obey what he's told me so far? 
I think there was some beautiful like repentance happening in Saul's deconstruction, but I think it was Saul was repenting is what was happening. Um, he was saying like, I'm sorry for who I've been. I'm sorry for what I've done. I need to unlearn these things, right? I need to give other people time to see my heart change, to see my ministry change. And I think well, I can't speak to what Jesus was doing in the 30 years where he wasn't doing outward ministry. Now, I know he was in God's house. I know he was about his father's business. Yeah. Like, I know all of those things to be true. And I also know that there is something to say for like soaking up the presence of God before intense ministry seasons. But that being said, I think more often our human brains really want to categorize seasons into like waiting, doing, waiting, doing. True. And a lot of life feels like both to me. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think about, isn't it Paul who said, I've learned how to abase and abound? Like that passage, you know, when he says, just even the, the act of word that I have learned, which means at some point he didn't know, right? Like, I think that that indicates that on this journey, just as you just said, like we are with Jesus learning how to abase and abound. We're learning how to be content. We're always on this journey of leaning and looking at him to, to show us what that looks like. Just like you said, it doesn't always look like, well, we're just sitting and waiting or we're, you know, culturally like following this definition of what that looks like. We have to really know that God has spoken to us or the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and has led us into whatever that season looks like for us and not what that looks like for other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hi friends, it's Brenna here. I'm interrupting this conversation to ask you a quick favor. If you're loving the Go and Tell Gals podcast, would you leave us a review? This helps other friends find the show and it helps us to know exactly what you'd like to hear. Thank you. Back to the show. Okay, what would you say is your go-to trick for fighting discouragement? Friends, honestly, community, you guys. <laughs> Having people that you can be really vulnerable and honest with and tell them all your things. I mean, obviously, I think first and foremost, you know, it's always going to be Jesus. Jesus, you know, is, is a given. But on the very like tangible, practical side, I think being surrounded by people who can support you, that you trust, who trust you, fighting di- discouragement with people who are going to tell you the truth. That's helpful for me. Brenna, what about you? I think for me... Fighting discouragement is, yeah, like what Kanisha said, friends that will tell me the truth. Really, it comes down to the truth because often what I'm hearing in my head is lies and it's like my own insecurities are so loud and I can't hear past them. And so I literally on my phone have this thing that I tell everybody about called the life-giving list. And it is things like that I go to when I need to combat whatever I'm feeling. Like on a day when I... It's like I need to go outside and I need to make coffee at home that I don't pay for. And I need to cook dinner because it makes my hands do something. So all of these things that help me like, okay, get up and fight. Like you can stand up to this. And they remind me of truth and get me out of my head. That's good. So I think my honest answer, not that anybody cares for such an in-depth answer, but I had to really think about it, like what's true for me. So I think my honest answer is I don't really go to friends, but I'm discouraged. I have a bad habit I think some of it has to do with it being an Enneagram 8 where I will like answer what I think they're going to say before I say it. So I'm like, 
I'll skip the like weak part. <laughs> I'll tell myself what I think you tell Nothing me. to do with being an eight. Nothing. <laughs> That's sarcasm for anyone listening. <laughs> it's definitely like a personality thing. But so I think my honest answer of what, something I do that helps, because there's a lot of other honest answers that aren't helpful, which would be like crying. Not that crying is not helpful. I think crying is a great tool. But you know what I'm saying? What actually tends to... make me feel better is moving my body, getting in the sunlight and drinking water. Like I'm like a plant in the truest form, you know? And if I can physically like get some endorphins in my body, get my face in the sun, drink some water. Huge help. When I'm discouraged, I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. For sure. For sure. Something we joke about in student development is that if a student comes to you in crisis, you ask them first, like, when was the last time you ate? What is the meal you had? How many hours did you sleep last Mm. night? Did you have breakfast today? Because it's real. Those things will set me up for failure. How do y'all Sabbath? I always have to preface, I'm a very rhythmic person. I'm really into (laughs) boundaries. Clarity is kindness to me. I like a list. So the way that I Sabbath is would suffocate some people. It would not feel like rest. It's very regimented for me. (laughs) It's Thursday at 5 p.m., till like Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So I take a little longer than 24 hours in Jesus' name. And I turn my phone off. I leave my laptop at work. I am not on social media for that stretch of time. I do not check my email. I Sabbath from all of the things that cause me fatigue during the week, which are strategizing, planning, and leading and creating content. Those are like my hard no's. I try not to strategize. I try not to lead anyone besides myself to God. And I I try not to create any content. And I try not to plan anything. So I don't have a lot of plans during that time. I almost always go on a long run during my Sabbath. I almost always watch Grey's Anatomy. I almost always (laughs) feast in some manner, like Mm. I'll have some ice cream or I'll have something that I don't normally eat. And those are like the barriers and everything changes in there. But again, I try not to overly plan it. So that's what it looks like for me. But I try to stop working. I try to stop getting ahead. I rest from the things that bring me fatigue during the week. And personally, I have to go pretty much like no electronics minus the Grey's Anatomy watching. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing this well in this season, admittedly. And what I would like to do is similar to what Jess just offered to all of us. So we're going to morph that into what it looks like for me in this season because I absolutely need it. And I recognize that because I do feel stressed and overwhelmed. So that's going to have to be a priority here really soon. Like today. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That perfectly leads to the next question I have. How do you manage boundaries around technology? Screen time, hours that personally, you know, like I've set that are where it's allowed and not allowed as, and I'm going to assume we're talking about like adult boundaries and not how we handle them with, you know, our children or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. do I think, I don't know if it has any, it's just my personality, but there's a boundary it's really hard for me to cross that boundary. If I set boundaries for myself, even if they're internally, it's really hard for me to go against that. So for me, it's just like if I decide that five o'clock is my cutoff, five o'clock is my cutoff. And it actually gives me the freedom to do things that I actually enjoy and to be available for other people 
around me. So good. Nobody will be surprised to know I've got some regimented <laughs> things. Kanisha knows this. I've never talked about it on the podcast, but I have two phones. And so one phone is what everybody gets. And one phone is just for my family. And it's like literally just my family. And that's one of the best ways that I can have a boundary around electronics. I'll show them to you right here. I mean, you guys can't see, but my friends can. And <laughs> yeah. so one goes off when I'm at my house for the most part, it just goes all the way off. And that means that I'm slower to respond to text messages. That means that I'm not as accessible as I used to be. And yet I just feel like God told me like, you can keep going with everybody's expectations and lose your soul. Mm -hmm. Like you can make everybody else happy, but you're going to just have so little left behind. So that's the biggest way that I do it is that I I have like a family phone that only my family members have that they can reach me in an emergency And that's what I carry with me to the grocery store. And that's what I carry with me, you know, on vacation. And that's what lives at my house. But yeah, I think like just saying it, I think asking the question is one of the healthiest things we can do. Absolutely. Like what need my boundaries to be? Because everybody's going to be different. Right. Everybody's going to be different and everybody's going to have different needs. I mean, some of y'all, you would be like, well, I don't need two phones. And I would say most people who don't make a living online probably don't. You know, but because my work lives also where my pictures of my kids live, I just realized like this is too much. That's wise. (laughs) Too much. Yeah, that's wise. Yeah, I think having spaces also like physical spaces that are technology free is a really Mm. big win. Like Mm -hmm. for us, we do no phones in our bedrooms whatsoever. No kids have phones in their bedrooms. No adults have phones in their bedrooms. Um, And that's kind of helped to have a sacred space. Oh, no. No phones in the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) I actually told a babysitter that the other day. I was like, yeah, by the way, they're not supposed to have their phones in their bedrooms. And she was like, are you serious? I was like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. That's a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing good. Isn't that funny? It's obviously so countercultural, though. Yeah. Yeah. They said, what about listening to music? I said, you can save up your money and get some AirPods. (laughs) Put your AirPod in, leave your phone downstairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A good hack. I would love to hear what is, speaking of kiddos, your favorite part of motherhood? Oh, man. Can I preface this with... Come on. Because I know that there are women out there who will hear this question and, and tense up and who will maybe even tune out the response. I just want to say that there are many women who didn't sign up for this, who never wanted to be this, who struggle because of their own mother relationships. I was one of those women. So I just wanna say like, it's okay if you feel like you're not good at this. (laughs) I was one of those women. Um, I still sometimes struggle with that as so many of us probably do. So no pressure here. I haven't always loved being a mom. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I still struggle with like, is, am I really doing this? Like, are, like, am I, is this what, okay, this is what we're doing. So honestly, the, for me, the thing I love the most about being a mom actually kind of has nothing to do with my kids, but I love them. I'm going to spiritualize the response. It actually has more to do with how humble it makes me as in like, I am so imperfect. So if there were any ounce of me that thought that I was really good as far as mothering is concerned, I just love how this doesn't sound, hopefully this comes out the right way, but I 
just love how beautiful the creation of motherhood is from God. And it so reflects our relationship with him. And mm. Purifying, I guess, is the word that comes to mind. You know, we talk about that so much, I think, in marriage and how marriage is such a reflection of of our relationship with Christ and the bride and all those things. I I actually think motherhood is one of those things that maybe at least I don't hear a lot about as far as just that side of God and the mothering side of God and how even in my own brokenness with my relationship with my mother, how he's continued to restore and redeem through my relationship with my kids. And I love that I get to see that and that he offers that to me through all of the things that I would say are, have been negative in my nurturing and in my mothering of my children. Hmm, That's really good. We have an old podcast episode with Cheryl Luke Mm. on God as mother. Mm. That is remarkable that I can't suggest listening to enough. My favorite part of motherhood is, I was so intent on listening to you, I wasn't thinking about mine. (laughs) Yeah, this is good. I think really, truly laughing with my kids. Like, that's my honest answer. I really like to just laugh with them. They're funny and goofy and weird, and we thrive when we're, like, having fun. (laughs) Brenna, do you have something you're, like, most looking forward to about motherhood? Yeah, that is a great question. I think I... When Kanisha said the humility and the way it humbles you, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I feel that way even in leadership in general, like in any sort of supervision or any sort of influence, I feel humbled every other moment. (laughs) I'm like, nah, okay, that wasn't right. Or that wasn't great. Or, okay, cool. So yeah, I think I would say as much as that feels like a maybe weird thing to look forward to, I look forward to that because I know I'll see God clearer in it. I'll Mm. see myself clearer. I'll see my, like we talked about, strengthen my weakness. So yeah, I think I would say that is a part I'm expected about. I don't think it's weird. I just think it's so humble and beautiful that you are excited to be humble. (laughs) (laughs) I think I come to the game with a lot of pride and I know that about myself. So yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So good. Awesome. Well, we are, obviously, I say we as a listener and as a podcaster producer, so grateful to learn from both of you. Y'all are incredibly wise, and I'm glad to sit with y'all all the time. For our last question, can you tell us three things that you're loving right now? I'm cleansing, and I will be doing some different diet things. Diet as in the food that I intake, not going on a diet. Things for a while. Nutrition, maybe that's a better word, nutritional things, to nourish my body and care for it better. And One thing that I'm loving for that right now, I found, this is not an ad, obviously, but this brand of oat milk that is free of everything. Like it has no, no gum, no, you know, nothing, nothing extra. It's literally just the oat milk and it's Malk, M-A-L-K. And it is the best oat milk. It froths and foams really great. And then outdoor space, you know, we're in Seattle and it's rainy all the time. This is a time of year where the rain kind of decreases and we are able to spend more time outside in our outdoor space. Patio space was a wreck. So this past like couple of weeks has been all about getting it clean. So I am loving the fact that our patio is clean and that we have seating and, you know, all these things are happening on the back patio area and we can actually possibly even begin to gather with some, you know, friends. The last thing Well, we kind of share this, I guess, but the facial product thing, there is this facial oil that I found that it actually, it's like a dry oil, I guess. It's not super greasy. 
So it's really moisturizing and it's complexion clearing and it helps your pores. So it's Eminence is the brand. It's really Ooh. great. It smells like almonds and all the things in heaven. And yeah, those are my three favorite things that I'm enjoying. I think I've heard people talk about that facial oil. Yeah, it's really good. That's awesome. Mine are my iPad. I, I've been using the same <laughs> iPad for, you know, <laughs> as long as you have the, the truck. As long as I had my old Yukon, <laughs> can you always like to brag on me about my iPad? It's a few years old, but it's one of the ones you can write on. And I use my Apple Pencil, and I genuinely use it three or four times a day. But I've gotten like a just a deeper love for it lately. I'm mm. so grateful for it. Oh, I have a new natural deodorant that I'm loving. What is it? It has a K named Kopari, and it does have coconut. Yes, in it. yeah, it is really good. And it is, I find it to be the only natural deodorant that like actually has worked for me. Doesn't and I've been leave trying you smelling like years. something that you don't want to smell like. No, it doesn't. It <laughs> actually works. The kind I use has tea tree oil in it. It's like the tea tree oil flavor. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little like spicy in my <laughs> <Lick> it. pits. <laughs> it makes them tingle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving that. And... I'm really loving running more these days than I have ever. It's been a really sweet place I've been enjoying with God. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I think for me, this is a shallow one and y'all can see it. I'm loving this blue nail polish. Oh, I'm very here for it. I do like it. It's a sinful colors one. And that means it's like $2, but I'm loving that. What is it? It's called sinful. I think (laughs) that's the name of the brand. (laughs) Yeah, I know exactly what, yeah. It's a good brand, honestly. It's a great brand. Bad name, great brand. I just got, per Jess's recommendation, not directly to me, but to me, the Bible recap book, and I'm loving that. Terrible Bible is amazing. And so it's been really good, loving that. And then I don't know that I have a great last one. I love all the oils that I've been trying. Like you said, Kenesha, Mm. I got this new one that takes off my makeup. I don't even remember the name. I'll try to find the name. And I love it so much. And I have never been an oil gal, but I'm here for it. Very here for it right now. I love that. So good. Very good. Well, listen, friends, we have been here for you for this Ask Us Anything. We'll probably do this again in a few months, but we are just so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your investment in the Go and Tell Gals podcast just by listening and being our pal. Do not forget to leave a review. We would love to hear from you. We want to hear who you want to hear from and any other questions you want us to speak to. We love you and we are so grateful for you.